Al Jazeera podcast. Eight South American nations meet in Brazil to forge a common policy on the Amazon rainforest. But there are deep divisions on oil exploration and deforestation, as well as conflicting domestic interests. So what will this summit achieve? Hello, I'm Adrian Finnegan, and this is the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help to define major global stories. Right, let's bring in our guests who are all joining us from Brazil, from Belém, where that summit is being held. Carlos Perez, Professor of Tropical Conservation Ecology at uh, the University of East Anglia. From Sao Paulo, we have Jan Rocha, a freelance journalist and writer. She's authored several books on Brazil, including Murder in the Rainforest. And also uh, in Belém is Bram Ebus, lead journalist and research coordinator at Amazon Underworld, a collaborative investigation into the presence of criminal activities and armed groups in the region. Welcome to you all. Let's start with you, uh, Carlos. President Lula da Silva said that he's got high hopes for this summit. He said that for the first time, we're going to have a common policy for the Amazon for preservation, security and borders. But how difficult is it going to be to reach consensus with all these nations taking part. To what extent will Lula have to water down his expectations? Well, yeah, this is fairly unprecedented uh, because the the heads of states from all Amazonian countries, all nine Amazonian countries, are going to meet here. Um, And Brazil basically leads the way, uh, both in terms of the politics of forest conservation, but also in terms of the levels of forest uh, degradation. Um, so it, it, I think it's going to be a very heterogeneous meeting. Um, uh, it's going to be very hard to reach uh, uh, a, a complete consensus. Uh, but it's been um, a, a remarkable gathering uh, previous to the meeting of the heads of states. And the idea is that they're going to propose uh, a so-called um, uh, Amazonian parliament Um how exactly that's going to be done is anybody's guess. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I'm here in Berlin with a huge amount of, of security um, to uh, waiting for uh, all the heads of states and the main Amazonian country and the main tropical forest countries, including the, the big block for the Congo Basin and uh, Indonesia. Jan, what's your feeling on this? Is President Lula da Silva going to have to water down his expectations on this? Well, it's a meeting of several countries with very different situations in terms of what they're actually doing in the Amazon forest. There's a lot of oil exploration going on already. So Lula, who's very good at sort of finding the middle way, because he has to do that politically all the time, I think in the end there will be a declaration that um, states' important things, like the importance of saving at least 80% of the Amazon forest, but will also not be not take a firm stand against oil exploration. Because Brazil itself, I mean, there's a move by the state oil company to drill for oil in the mouth of the Amazon, and Lula in a, favors that. So he has to take a rather uh, middle stand on all this. He has to maybe fudge it a bit. But it seems to me that the important thing of this meeting is exactly the Amazon countries coming together to take a stand and demand a greater voice in all the climate discussions which are going on at the various COPs and international meetings. And also very significant is the fact that just before the the official summit, 
uh, indigenous people from all over the Amazon came together in Belay, almost a thousand of them. And what they said at their meeting was that we want a voice in what's happening. We want to be heard because without us, there is no future for the Amazon. So the indigenous people are, are talking to the Amazon country leaders saying, we want a bigger voice at your table. And the Amazon presidents are saying to the world, we want a bigger voice in climate discussions. Okay, I want to come back to this issue of indigenous peoples and, and what role they should be playing at this summit and the future uh, uh, conservation of, of the Amazon region. But, but Jan, um, Ecuador and Peru are, are currently dealing with their own domestic issues, which, which could distract them, couldn't it, from environmental concern, concerns. I mean, it's protecting the Amazon a, a priority f for all of these nations right now. Not necessarily. Um, I mean, Lula has decided to make it one of his priorities, but he also has a whole load of other problems to deal with. But at least he's committed himself to zero uh, forest clearing, zero deforestation by 2030. It's not easy because he has a, a sort of broad front, a coalition government, which includes parties which don't see it the same way, which believe in... Um, mining and farming in the Amazon. And after all, he's taken over after four years of very destructive policies in the Amazon from the previous president, Jair Bolsonaro, who actively encouraged illegal mining, illegal farming, land grabbing and so on. So he has to play, Lula is playing a leadership role. He wants this leadership role for Brazil. Brazil, after all, is the biggest, is a country, the biggest share of the Amazon. But for none of these countries, is it easy to take a sort of 100% stand in favour of the Amazon. They have to deal with their internal issues as well. They have to deal with climate deniers within their own countries and people who believe in oil drilling and oil exploration. Venezuela, after all, depends on oil, though it's mostly offshore. So it's a, it's a question of juggling all these different interests, coming up with a declaration at the end which states certain things. And one of the things I think it will say is, is to criticise the protectionism of European countries and also to say, where's the money? Where's all the money which is promised? $100 billion for, to developing countries for protecting the climate. Bram, as Jan was saying... Lula's pledged to eliminate illegal deforestation by 2030, as has uh, President Petro of Colombia. Uh, are those, is that target achievable? I mean, given the various criminal groups that are expanding their activities right across the region. Thanks for that question. I think we shouldn't blind stare ourselves on the number of deforestation because, to be frank, zero deforestation by 2030 sounds good, but it's very irrealistic. What we observed in the Amazon when we started um, investigating in the field is that 70% of the Amazon municipalities in the six main countries that share the Amazon uh, is under criminal control. So this actually means that non-state armed groups and gangs are deciding who can enter, who can leave, who needs to pay taxes to criminal networks in extortion fees, and which are the main economies dominating daily life and also damaging the Amazon. What we see is that their respective governments are not able to enter these areas due to security concerns. So, of course, there's governance, but it's criminal governance. So I think the governments, when they speak about deforestation and mitigating environmental damages, they need to regain the confidence of populations they've abandoned since many decades or maybe even never had a presence in the Amazon. Um, and they should tackle criminal networks because they are running the show. 
and the revenues of illicit economies oftentimes are larger than the budgets of governments to combat them. So, Prime, you would argue that security must be high on the agenda at this, this summit. What, what can be done to stop these criminal gangs? So it's very important that all the presidents come together for, for a starter. Um, but security must be on the agenda because we see rising homicide rates uh, throughout the whole Amazon. We see an enormous number of massacres in rural Colombia in the Amazon. And we know that these organized crime networks are able to forge supply chain relations to collaborate across the borders in a sort of criminal diplomacy, despite linguistic and cultural barriers um, of which the governments should be jealous because they haven't managed yet to cooperate fully in the Amazon to tackle these criminal networks. So we need better communication, uh, joint solutions. But of course, we don't only need to apply the stick, but we also need to help local populations um, develop economic uh, livelihoods, sustainable future plans, and um, to have an alternative besides the uh, illicit economy. Because often, oftentimes we see that these locals have no other economic opportunities than to participate in illegal gold mining, um, illicit crop uh, farming like coca crops, the main ingredient for cocaine, or, the, or other economies that destroy the Amazon. So lastly, um, if you are an inhabitant of the Amazon and you need to choose between feeding your children or conserving the forest, you always will opt for feeding your children first. Carlos, just how close to tipping point is the Amazon rainforest? How long before the damage that's being done to it becomes irreversible? Well, uh, you know, we're already up to 20% um, in Brazil and 15% for the Pan-Amazon, all nine countries. Uh, and the estimates range from, uh, let's say, if you get another 20% uh, of deforestation uh, in the Brazilian Amazon alone, which is about two, uh, three-fifths of the whole, the whole region, um, we could already be, um, you know, be way past that, that, that tipping point. Um, you know, uh, forests, forests around the world account for 84% of all the carbon stored in all terrestrial ecosystems. And the Amazon alone is about 90 uh, metric tons. Uh, that's about 15 years worth of, um, of, of uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So it's absolutely imperative that we come to um, an agreement. And much of that agreement basically depends on indigenous peoples and local communities, which control uh, something like 45% of the Brazilian Amazon alone. Um, indigenous territories, um, you know, they serve a, a, a huge role in forest conservation because there's there's relatively little deforestation inside. Most of the deforestation is is outside those areas. Um, so at the moment, uh, they're not actually getting a penny for this. So they are sort of unsung heroes. And you can see in this conference here that the local demand uh, for you know participation at the table, if you like. Uh, is uh, increasing, um, so, and you know we're seeing uh, what, lots and what, lots of indigenous. Yeah. What What are the chances, Carlos, of, of of this summit recognizing and enforcing land rights for indigenous people? Well, this has been going on for a while. I mean, that, of course, in the last uh, five years, uh, we've had a you know a, a, a huge slowdown in the demarcation and sanctioning of new indigenous territories. But now this is with the Lula government, this is coming back again. 
Um, the problem is that uh, over the last uh, 30 years, we've opened the, the floodgates of, of farmers uh, from elsewhere in Brazil, and it is now very difficult to stop that frontier of, long, uh, of land grabbing, uh, logging, farming, cattle ranching, and now uh, gold mining. Um, and the enforcement capacity of the Brazilian government is still very, uh, very small, very, very low. Um, so, I th you know, I think Brazil uh, does need uh, international aid, and this is coming now with the, with the Fundo uh, Amazonia. Uh, but it's a it's a tough ask because you know if you're going to uh, uh, control five million square kilometers with only about thirty or thirty five people. Uh, you know that you 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 uh, you're up against a, a huge battle. Jan, do all of the region's governments recognise just how important a role indigenous people play in the conservation of the rainforest? President Lula da Silva created Brazil's first Ministry of Indigenous Peoples this year, uh, but what about the other nations? Well, I think it's a very different situation in the Andean Amazon countries where indigenous people for a long time have been much more organized than they were in Brazil, where in a way organization has really just begun the last few years. I think in countries like Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, indigenous people are much more organized, have a much more important political voice already. Um, so it's a very different situation. Even so, uh, indigenous peoples who live actually in the Amazon forest uh, have been pushed off their land, have been, their rivers and uh, areas have been polluted by oil companies exploiting and drilling for oil. So they're, they're, they're in the front line uh, as to this. And as far as criminal activities go, as the previous speaker said, this is, this is a, an activity which has flourished in the last few years in Brazil and in the others. Um, illegal criminal gangs uh, often connected to criminal gangs in the south, in Sao Paulo and Rio, have taken over because the state, the government, uh, has simply not been there. And I think this is one of the most vital things that the Brazilian government certainly has to do now, is to uh, put, have the state active in these areas, much more enforcement, in a way that's already begun. I mean, there has been a big drive to clear out illegal miners from the Yanomami area, for example, in the north of the Amazon. And just a few days ago, the biggest land grabber in Brazil who'd been clearing forests and putting in cattle farming was actually arrested and all his properties were confiscated. So the Lula government is beginning to move forward on those areas. But um, there's a, you know, as the previous speaker said as well, it's a huge area to police, to enforce, to control. And of course, the other side to it is providing jobs for people. If they can't work in illegal mining and illegal land clearing, what are they going to do? Where are the jobs? So that's very important. And scientists, of course, have shown that there are, if you leave the forest standing, there are jobs. There is an economy, a bioeconomy based on the forest, using its products, using essences, using pharmaceutical or developing pharmaceutical products. But it's a huge area and list of things that has to be done mm. and again you need money for it as, so as you say the as, as you, started yeah. but there's a long way to go as you say it, it's such a vast area it is almost impossible to police i mean to do it properly you're going to need the consensus of all the, the amazon nations aren't you 
you are going to need consensus and also you're going to need within Brazil because the Brazilian Amazon is divided up among different states with with sometimes with very conservative governments who actually actively support illegal mining and clearing of the forest. You, you, you have to deal with all these local differences as well um, because in many areas it's a local or municipal government which is responsible for education for health and so on. So it's a very complex situation and will need... I mean, at least Lula has a lot of experience in negotiation, but it's not going to be easy. Uh, Bram, to what extent is uh, is outside funding uh, Im important here? Uh, uh, the international community gets involved. I mean, we've got U.S. climate envoy John Kerry and France's President uh, uh, Macron are both in attendance at the summit. Uh, do, uh, do rich nations needed to be need to be persuaded uh, to provide? Uh, funds to protect the Amazon. How much are we talking about here? I think rich nations already are convinced about the importance of protecting the Amazon, which is the world's largest carbon sink. And therefore, it's crucial to preserve the Amazon uh, to mitigate and adapt to climate change. But we also know that the Amazon is encroaching a tipping point in which it um, will become a net emitter, and therefore the Amazon uh, can also become one of our worst enemies. So there is a global importance to protect the Amazon, and we know that a lot of funds uh, potentially could be available, um, because we also know the Amazon countries cannot do this by themselves. But I think, at first, the Amazon countries need to show that they are serious, that they have a concrete agenda, and that they also have the technical capacity. For example, I was just listening um, to the, um, the other guests, um, talking about the operations by Lula in Yanomami, Yanomami territory, pushing out illegal miners. But these illegal miners are being pushed across the border to Guyana, to Suriname, to Venezuela. So we have these migrating um, gangs and illicit uh, activities. And I thought it was very important, what was also mentioned, that one of the main land grabbers in Brazil was arrested. Because oftentimes law enforcement goes after the low-hanging low fruit. Um, the locals wielding the chainsaw are managing cattle or mining, but they never, um, law enforcement never goes after the financiers of deforestation, but they need more investigative and technical capacity. But it's also very important, and this is where the global community comes into play, um, um, to investigate supply chains, because oftentimes the commodities that come from the Amazon, from deforested areas, being cattle, uh, sorry, being meat, leather, uh, minerals, hydrocarbons, they go to international markets. And if there's no traceability, um, there's a very soft response. So we need the international community, other countries in Europe, North America, but also in Asia to step up, clean up their supply chains and fund efforts to protect the Amazon. Bram, you, you say we're close to the tipping point here. How long have we got? And with so much to be done, is there enough time to do it? As things go, no. This is why we need a concrete response. We need a very clear agenda at this Amazon summit. Um, the, 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 the possibility of an Amazon parliament sounds very good, but uh, in reality, we don't really know what it's about. Uh, so we need concrete measures and um, political announcements like zero deforestation by two thir 2030. We know that most presidents won't be around then in, in politics. It's easy to say but they won't be responsible for it. So we need actions uh, being turned into legislation and better uh, cooperation and more money on the table for sustainable economies, um, regional law enforcement actions, uh, responsibilizing international buyers, cleaning up the supply chain, better traceability. And I think if there's a clear agenda and proposals uh, with a budget um, in the next few days, 
hopefully the international community can get behind this. Jan, with, with Petro and Lula in, in office and, and uh, Venezuela's President Maduro ba back at the summit after not attending any regional meetings in, in recent years, is there, is there cause for optimism? Are, are you optimistic that this summit can achieve something concrete? Well, I think I, I am optimistic to a certain extent. Just the fact that they're having it is important. Just the fact that before the actual summit, you had this meeting of nearly a thousand indigenous people voicing their demands. I think that's a cause for optimism too. I mean, obviously within the, within the whole framework, you, you might wonder really what's going to be achieved. But as I say, just the fact they came together, they're, they're recognizing the problems and they're voicing their demands and wanting to have a a, um, a more active position within the world climate discussions, um, I think that is a cause for optimism. There's a lot of hard work involved. There's a lot of negotiation and diplomacy involved, but they've taken this step. I think that's important, must be recognised. Carlos, do you share uh, Jan's optimism? No, absolutely. I mean, this is an unprecedented meeting, uh, and this is where we need to start. The, there, there's been traditionally very little communication between Brazil and all the other Amazonian countries. And I think that, you know, the, the, the Amazon Conservation uh, Treaty uh, has been very powerless uh, to do anything. And I think this is, a, this is a breath of fresh air. There are huge challenges ahead, but I think this is a big start. But time is of the essence. Time is of the essence um, because... Um, you know, even uh, reducing or deterring illegal deforestation by 2030 is a huge target. Uh, and then also there is the definition of what is legal and what is uh, illegal, because what can be legal now can be can become actually legal in in three or five years down the line, depending on the uh, on, on on forest policy, particularly in Brazil. Um, so yes, absolutely urgent uh, that we that we control uh, deforestation and fires uh, in the Amazon. Um, and I think this meeting is a big step forward. Thank you so much, all of you, for taking part in today's Inside Story. Carlos Perez, Jan Rocha and Bram Ebus. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Katia Lopez-Horayan, Abla Kla and Jimmy Getahoon. Studio sound was by Renjith Kurian. The programme was edited by Saron Murali, Khaled Sultan and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. And thanks for listening. Tune in again on Tuesday for our next edition. This week on The Take how fentanyl is wreaking havoc in communities on the U.S.-Mexico border and the people helping those affected. That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.